It's Monday, August 23rd, 2010. This is the Option Key. This is the Option Key webcast. Stuff on Google. PC. Trev, you got Vista 64 yet? His router's piece of garbage on. That's probably the hyper-threading kicking in and the 20% faster per core. GTX 280. Google Docs. Not fun. Yeah, well, you know, you understand where Microsoft's trying to come from, where they're trying to change the file edit view menu. My money's going to be on, no, you will not have a problem. And, uh, yeah, I've had nothing but good experiences with it. Very big mistake. If it wasn't backwards compatible, because, I mean, they got harassed about Vista. Well, in the business world, if your apps don't work, you don't switch. Because the, the thing here is, I mean, the apps are backwards compatible. Yeah, but we heard this all before. You know what? I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it lasted, you know, for five years. And I bet you... So yours will be better right now for rendering, but the i7s will be faster. I have with me Vonnie online. Uh, the rest of our co-hosts have bailed. One has a uh, emergency uh, video to edit, and the other ones apparently have a StarCraft II addiction. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to go on without them, but uh, hopefully uh, we can get them some help and... Uh, <laughs> You know, send them to StarCraft 2 Anonymous. So, uh, topic today is uh, open source versus proprietary software. I have with me Vani, of course, from uh, the Geeky Girl blog, or which one is it now? You had so many going. <laughs> I've narrowed it down to the uh, to Feisty Girl. <laughs> yes, and actually you were using uh, open source software for uh, creating some of your graphics for that. I was. <laughs> yeah, uh, Inkscape. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. That is open source. Yeah. So, um, well, the main thing uh, when we're talking about proprietary versus open source, we have to consider is, um, well, for one thing, is the price. Um, I mean, obviously, open source software doesn't really have the cost associated with proprietary. Uh, Probably, in my opinion, the best example of this would be Microsoft Office versus something like OpenOffice or uh, Google Docs. Um, Vonnie, you use Microsoft Office at work, don't you? Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, do you have it at home? Uh, I only use it at work. <laughs> okay, but you don't like own a copy of it, per se? For For my personal use, no. Yeah. Um, have you ever looked into getting it for like, uh, your son's homework assignments or anything like that? No, because, um, we have Macs and they come with their own, it's also proprietary, I suppose, but, um, and that's just as easy to use and you can easily convert it. So, so I don't have a need for it. So he's using pages then? Yeah. Yeah. He uses pages. Okay. Yeah, and you had to pay what about a hundred dollars for the iWork suite there? Um, yeah, I think it's about that. You know, it was like it was included when I got the Mac, so I don't quite remember, but it wasn't pricey. Yeah, yeah, and I don't have a problem with proprietary software when it's not pricey. But if you were to look at getting like uh, Microsoft Office, mm-hmm. you know, the home. Office and uh, Student Edition is $150. 
And I know for a typical family of four, that's rather pricey. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I can only imagine, uh, you know, a single parent or whatnot, that would be even worse. So, Well, that's just it. You know, I am a single parent. So um, why, you know, why would I spend those extra dollars for what it's... And it's not like he's exchanging documents with anyone, so it doesn't matter whether he uses, you know, Microsoft or Google Docs or whatever. I have never actually used Google Docs, but I'm going to pull it up right now as we're talking. Yeah. Well, um, this uh, came up because this is a little bit uh, personal for me because, um, like, for example, uh, my cousins um, do have to actually hand in uh, Microsoft office documents in digital format on a flash drive and hand it in for to be marked right and the reason they have to use and the reason they have to do that is because the i'm assuming is because the instructor only has word on his computer so it's the only way he can open it which is ridiculous because really it wouldn't matter what they used if they converted it to a pdf or um, even used Google Docs. That's free, right? Yeah, well, there's no standard Office format. I guess Word document format would be as, besides PDF being as close as you could get to a, I guess, standardized document, which is really uh, both of them, PDF and Word document, is a proprietary document. Yeah, yeah. Even that's right. Even to have PDF, you have to pay for it. But you don't have to pay for the reader, and that's the thing is, um, for instructors, they probably want to be able to edit that document or mark that document up somehow. But if it were just to read it, why would it matter if it were a Word document or or anything else? Yeah, and uh, that gets to my point where, um, if the schools are going to be making students do this and families don't have the software, then they should be using an open source software such as Mm OpenOffice. They really should, yeah. And I've been actually actively uh, writing the education minister here in Alberta to try and get that changed, but I don't think they like me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, they rarely like the ones that that, uh, make noise. Because you're causing them work <laughs> and change. But, uh, yeah, and I, from, you know, a business perspective, I can understand why you would want the proprietary software, you know. Yeah. Um, w- because then you have someone to complain to with the open source stuff. You don't really have anyone to complain to except the community. Well, I guess it would depend on what line of work you were in. With my line of work, there is a lot of document exchanging and then uh, version 1, version 2, version 20. Um, there's more. There's many hands. Many hands can be involved in one document. So for that reason, and because the large majority of businesses use Word, that's why I use Word. But I'm, if you're not exchanging documents with anyone, I don't see why it would really matter. Well, even if you are just exchanging documents, I mean, uh, OpenOffice is more than capable of opening opening even the latest Word format and making edits and mm-hmm. resaving that format and allowing another person to, uh, you know, edit that document. So, mm. uh, 
even if it were I mean let's for for example if I created something in pages and then sent it to someone who who did not have a Mac did not have pages basically how could they re- read it and edit it using open office not in the pages format but if you saved it as a Microsoft Office document you could okay which or, you can do within pages yeah or actually a rich text format right an rtf file oh they're they're so huge though <laughs> they're not that big yeah we're not allowed to send those <laughs> really yeah well our documents are huge huge as it starts as it be, you know what i mean so if we were to then increase the size by making them rtf yeah we're just not allowed Okay, so Word must have some sort of compression then that it adds to it. I don't know. Because rich text is simply just a text file that tells you when you have bold text or italicized or anything like that, different colored text. I don't know. All Uh, I know is I'm not allowed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Apple Mail actually only does, uh, up until recently, uh, Snow Leopard. It was just a uh, rich text format. Hmm. Really? Yeah. So, uh, didn't even do HTML Mail till recently. Oh. Well, I could be mixed up. I'll have to maybe look into that. That's, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, that's very interesting. But that just kind of goes because Word's been the pretty much de facto office program since because i mean microsoft came out with it so early and everyone was using it mm-hmm. as the de facto uh word processing yeah document i know myself all i use is open office my wife has uh microsoft office uh 2008 for the mac okay and uh she hates it because uh she goes, I need you to check this. I'm like, well, it looks fine in open office. She's like, no, I need you to check it in Word. I'm like, well, that's nice, but I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, she has the Mac version of Office, which is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, I have that too, and I don't use it because um, <laughs> it, it, it converts are- over differently. There are so, still issues with it there, between well, that and Word. Differences. Uh, yeah, like, you know, a document from Word, if I open it in the Office version on my Mac, the Mac version, um, it's the whole formatting looks different. Things move, margins move, spacing moves, the font changes. And so then I don't really know what it's going to look like when I send it back over. <laughs> So I don't use it. Yeah. And, um, well, for the most part, I found OpenOffice to be very good for doing simple documents, right? I would say probably about, it'll do 10% of what Microsoft Office does very, very well. Like if you're doing resumes, cover letters, that kind of thing, it's fine for that kind of thing. But if you have a lot of people collaborating on it, um yeah then i mean it helps if everyone uses the same software like i imagine you guys like everyone that you work with you're all using the latest version of office but if you were working with people that didn't that again gives another problem Mm -hmm. 
because Microsoft changed their document format to a DocX format. I don't know if you've noticed that in the new Office 2007-2010. Oh, yeah. for Up until this year, we were actually, even though I had Office 2007, yeah. um, I was actually saving my documents in 2003. Now everybody's on board pretty much with Office 2007. But prior to that, yeah, I... I even though I had, I, I used 2007, I had to save it as 2003 to accommodate everyone else who wasn't caught up yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you don't have any control over that because, no. uh, you know, Microsoft, the proprietary manufacturer of the software, decided to change the format. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even though they got sued because of that and lost, has a whole bunch of intellectual property... Uh, stuff that I'd rather not get into, but it was a Canadian company that IPO'd it. Microsoft lost the case and now they have to change word again. So Oh my God. Um well then doesn't that kind of <laughs> just add to the issue if they have to change it again? <laughs> yes it does. But <laughs> I mean the world of uh bad intellectual property laws. So Oh dear. Uh you know, and uh, another, uh, while we're on the topic of uh, proprietary, I mean, they could basically charge whatever they want because they are the de facto standard. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, an excellent uh, example of this is uh, Adobe with their creative suite. Yeah. <laughs> uh with the exception of the educational version, which, I mean, for the master suite, is something like $800. Yeah, it's ridiculously priced. Ridiculous. And that's for the educational version. Yeah. Uh, if you were to just buy it, full version, no upgrades, just flat out, you're talking $2,600 for two licenses. <laughs> so... I mean, if you're a small business owner or anything like that, that's enormously expensive. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, is there anything else besides Adobe that a person could use, though? I mean, they own PDFs, you know? Like, there's no other that I know of. There's no other platform. Well, there's CorelDRAW, but they're mostly for Windows machines. On the Mac, you don't really have any other options except for a few... Uh, small software vendors, and then the open source uh, community with uh, GIMP and Inkscape, uh, those kind of things. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of choice. I mean, Adobe pretty much has the market cornered, and they started doing that way back in the late 90s uh, when they were basically giving away Photoshop uh, with scanners. Right, it was a uh, Photoshop Five uh, Light Edition. Oh, uh, they're giving away uh, basically what we would call Photoshop Elements right now. Okay. And what they did is they shipped it with scanners, so you could scan and manipulate the uh, images. And now that uh, you know, they're pretty much the they have like ninety percent of the market or whatever. I mean, they could pretty much charge whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You know, which yeah. 
probably also explains why they don't crack down a lot on the whole piracy thing. Because if 90% of people out there are, you know, using the software, if you decided to start suing everybody that was using it, they're, you know, say, oh, only 30% of the people out there purchased the software. It's probably a little higher than that, but I imagine there's many more people pirating it than people that actually own it. Mm-hmm. Myself excluded, of course. Myself excluded too, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're <laughs> using uh, Inkscape. I know that for sure. I'm using that as well. So. Yeah, I like in- Inkscape. I haven't actually dabbled with it anymore after making my banner, but um, I-, I would like to continue. I I found it actually a lot easier to use than Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good uh, illustration program. Um. GIMP, on the other hand, is quite difficult to use uh, compared to Inkscape. And the open source software has a long way to go on the whole graphical side of things and usability, but, I mean, it is getting there. Mm -hmm. It will probably come to a point where, you know, people will be able to use it. And then Adobe will be like where Microsoft is, where basically they just cater to the corporate community. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is frustrating, though. It is. Um, as a Mac owner, it is frustrating. It, and then there's Parallels. I use Parallels, and I haven't looked into You told me about Neo Office, and I am going to look into that. But they all seem to come with their challenges. Um, yeah, Neo Office is just the kind of Macified version of OpenOffice. Okay. So, I mean... It's basically the same thing as OpenOffice itself. Oh, okay. It just has the pretty Mac graphics. Right, okay. Which, I don't know, it's very handy to have. So. Yeah. Um, well, Parallels makes it very handy to have Office. I mean, it's amazing to me. I, and <laughs> Office has never ran so well now that it runs on my Mac. <laughs> but... um. I don't have the issues I used to have. It doesn't lag. It doesn't, you know, I never hear that grinding sound. Well, it, it, occasionally I do, but um, it's it runs a lot better on the Mac. But and, and I'm glad that Parallels exist so that I can still use Office. But Parallels itself just causes a whole slew of issues. Um, yeah, that's the whole virtualization thing. And that's what... Um, if you're on a corporate environment, you're basically running in. You're running a version of uh, virtualization, anyways. Mm-hmm. At least I know in the corporate network I work with, which is a major pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is virtualized, and yeah. it just causes a lot of issues if uh, because it's so locked down and restricted for what you can do because. Uh, well, we're using the, probably the most insecure operating system being Windows XP. Oh. So, uh, and I mean, for the most part, they have us on IE6 still. So, yeah. and that causes huge issues, especially if you're doing websites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, yeah, the rest of the world is charging forward. Yeah. 
I mean, that's part of the challenge in being in a corporate environment. So, yeah, it is true. They they really do get on board very late. Like it's you know the next version. I mean, we're on IE eight now, and um, one of the uh, corporations that we work with closely are as well and XP, and it is very frustrating. Yeah, especially since uh, Windows two thousand and well, uh, Office two thousand and ten, I believe, doesn't work on Windows XP. I better double check that, make sure. Yeah. Uh, are you running two thousand and ten? No XP. No. Um, the only time I use XP is when I have to hook into their network. Otherwise, I use Windows seven. Yeah. Um, and Parallels allows me to have more than one operating system. So I, I have XP and Windows 7 on my Mac, mm-hmm. uh, you know, under Parallels. Um, yeah, other than that, I use Windows 7. Yeah, so it is compatible with Windows XP Service Pack 3. I did believe they were planning on not having it compatible, but that probably changed. So... It's a major issue, and I mean, Windows is supposed to be coming out with a beta of, uh, or Microsoft's supposed to be coming out with a beta of Windows 8 uh, sometime relatively soon, I believe in January. God. So, I mean, I don't know if Microsoft likes to shoot themselves in the foot or something, but... Uh, <laughs> Seriously. I mean, if you're catering to a corporate environment, then you should probably not upgrade your operating system so often. It, it Well, it, you're right. Shoot yourself in the foot is exactly right because eventually what will happen with other um, platforms more and more becoming available that are a fraction of the cost or free, um, yeah, because there's so much work involved to get everything on running smoothly in the background and changing a huge corporation is a lot of work and a lot of testing and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, what in the last three years, we've gone from, we've gone from Vista to, to Windows 7 and now, again, another one? Yep. Windows 8. It's supposed to be a 128-bit operating system. Well, it's I, if it were me, and you know, if I were in charge of a big corporation at this point, I'd be saying, let's look into some of these other avenues. Uh, yeah, a lot of the uh, Linux systems. I mean, if you just need Office and you're just going to run Office, then just throw it in a uh, virtual box similar to what you have there for Parallels, and just run it that way. Then have everyone else on uh, Linux and they can do their web browsing and email that way. Yeah. Where Linux doesn't cost anything. All you have to do is the IT support. But if you're going to be supporting four different operating systems, be XP, Vista, 7, and 8, <laughs> yeah. then why not just switch everything over and then just throw XP on with the Microsoft Office in a virtual machine and then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Right, then you don't have to worry about it. If something happens, you just go back to the latest backup and that's it. Yeah. That does make sense. 
I mean, with your parallels, all you have to do, if you wanted to back it up, you basically copy your virtual machine folder and that's it. Yeah, I think so. That's your backup. Yeah. Then if you get spyware, malware, whatever, you just delete it and then you put the other one there. Yeah. <laughs> You're good to go. If only everyone was as savvy as you. <laughs> well, a lot of these, I know in the case of the corporation I work with, um, you know, our team manager doesn't, he seems not to be aware of all the new technologies that are out there. He mm-hmm. seems to like to keep things the way he knows how to control everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I think that's typical in every, actually every corporation I've ever, ever um, worked with because uh, your technology, technology anywhere is only as advanced as your leader. So, Yeah kind of always falls under their prerogative. <laughs> but um like one of the things I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get uh you know, working on getting my small business up and going and one of the things I'm going to be offering is you know, uh Linux-based uh computers for sale for, you know, it'll be a little bit cheaper than Windows machines are. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know what? It's going to be coming with a whole slate of uh, software already pre-installed that's free to use. And the website, my website will have a bunch of tutorials. Oh, that's good. Uh, because there is a need for that. There are people that basically just need it for doing web surfing and emailing. Mm-hmm. And that's what going to do and they can't afford a Mac but they want the security of one right you know and I'm just going to send you a link here Vani it's for the going to be basing the operating system off something called Ubuntu which is a easy to use version of Linux okay so if you have a look at the uh, tour for the desktop okay I mean, it comes pre-installed with Firefox. Um, be having a video player called VLC, which will play basically every type of video file format, be it Windows Media Player, QuickTime, DivX, XVID. Hmm. Doesn't matter what, it will play it. Will it do Flash? It does Flash. Flash is just a browser plugin. I'd love to see Flash be just like retired. Really, it's so old, but people are still hanging on. Well, it's old, and it's uh, you know it's very it's a processor dinosaur. Yeah, intensive. It's... But, <laughs> yeah, um, it is necessary for some things. Uh, you know, there are some things that it is good for, such as, you know, it's been very good for videos and that kind of thing. Um, going back again to the whole proprietary thing, I mean, um, until all the web browsers start implementing OGG, which is an open source uh, video format, um, I mean, 
uh, MPEG-4 is basically owned by Microsoft and Apple. Oh, yeah. Right? So they pretty much have uh, free run with whatever they want to do with the video. Yeah. I'm just looking at this now, but I'm, I'll look more, more extensively later. So, Is this something that could also run on a Mac? Yeah, Linux. You can uh, uh, this Ubuntu thing. Yeah, you could run in a virtual machine such as Parallels, or you can uh, partition part of your hard drive off and install it on that, and do a. You could theoretically do a multi-boot system on your Mac with Linux, Windows, and Mac OS X. Oh. That's one of the major advantages of owning a Mac. Yeah. Yeah, it does make it handy, doesn't it? I love it too because it doesn't, no matter what I'm doing, I like the fact that Parallels is completely separate from the Mac. So whatever happens on Parallels, whatever happens while I'm working in Microsoft does not affect my Mac. Two completely different operating systems, which is definitely an advantage. Yeah, and I mean, you can run Ubuntu in Parallels. Well, um... um Sorry, um, I don't. I'm not. Int- I, I'm not crazy about that idea. Only because, if anything, I'd like to get rid of parallels. I've all, you know. Um, well, while I'm on parallels, it's perfectly fine. Like Windows runs, like you wouldn't even know that I was on a Mac. Like it runs perfectly. It runs better. Yeah. Windows has actually run better on my Mac than ever before. It's just the parallels. Um, you know, having to have my printer set up on two different systems and having to switch back and forth if I just want to print or, you know, having, um, opening a PDF even, um, it opens differently in windows than it does in in the Mac. And that stuff is just so annoying. But, um, and if even parallel shuts down, sometimes it'll just crash, you know? So I would like to get away from parallels completely would be my ideal wish. (laughs) <laughs> well, since you're on a Mac, I mean, uh, all you have to do is load up uh, Boot Camp and partition part of your hard drive off to run Windows. Yeah, it really doesn't work as smoothly as Parallels, though. Well, I mean, because uh, then you have to reboot to go back yeah. to your Mac and all that kind of it, stuff. Exactly. Like, I can literally minimize <laughs> uh, Parallels and use my Mac. Yeah. Yeah, and I still do use my Mac quite a bit through the day, even though I'm hooked into Windows. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it is much safer for running your uh, everyday tasks. Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of people are still using Internet Explorer, even though that's changing uh, slowly and hopefully for sure. Um, yeah, I only use it when I absolutely have to, and that's that one exception when I have to have to go into that network that is still on XP and IE6. Um, that's the only time I use Explorer. Otherwise, I, I use Safari, and I love Safari. It's so user-friendly and, and fast. Mm-hmm. And I don't get junk mail all the freaking time. <laughs> do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? It's so annoying. <laughs> um, never get any of that with Safari. It's just runs so beautifully so yeah so I use that all the time even though I so there again right like with parallels I can minimize parallel I don't even have to minimize it I can use both at the same time Mm -hmm. 
Well, I know with um, Ubuntu, um, I'm currently working on a few things to get um, something called VirtualBox, which is basically, well, it was, uh, still technically is an open source project for doing uh, exactly what Parallels does, except you don't need to pay for it. Okay. But um, ever since Oracle uh, bought Sun Microsystems, uh, I'm basically not holding my breath for anything to stay uh, pretty much open source for very long. So Right, yeah. And that's the other thing, going back to, you know, your, the original topic is that that's what proprietorships do too is they will buy open sources and then really buy them out because then it's not like they replace them <laughs> they buy them and then shut them down well yeah and uh, Oracle did that with a um, version of Linux called Open Solaris which was a pretty good uh, version of Linux uh, very good for running a server or a home system and yeah they bought it and the first thing they did was they shut down that project yeah. and they're basically making a corporate version of it for sell to sell right so, exactly yeah and i mean sun also owned uh java which was basically open sourced and uh now Sun is suing Google, or not Sun, sorry, Oracle is suing Google over their implementation of Java in Android. So, you know, maybe we won't have the big uh, Android iPhone war anymore. Uh, what do you mean? I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, uh, Oracle suing uh, Google over their implementation of Java in Android. Uh because what it what it was well what basically what the implement the impl, what the implications are is it'll change the way things work in Android and that could kill the functionality in it therefore basically making it just a, similar to what uh, Nokia has with their Symbian where you just have a really expensive feature phone oh and then so the iPhone Again, will be the only smartphone out there available. Besides BlackBerry. Well, even BlackBerry. I mean, the BlackBerry OS, it really isn't as intuitive as the, uh, you know, the iPhone. Oh, God, if no. No, look, it's not. That's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean. It's Black considered a smartphone, though, isn't it? It is. But, I mean, uh, if you were to put a BlackBerry right beside an iPhone, compare oh. BlackBerry OS to the iPhone iOS 4. I yeah, mean, there's no comparison. No, there isn't. I, I was a BlackBerry, true blue BlackBerry user. I really was. I've, I've had three. <laughs> um, and what happened was, the only reason I got away from BlackBerry, because I had friends trying to coax me toward the iPhone for a couple years, and nope, I liked my BlackBerry. It was perfect. I had no idea what I was missing either. But... Um, I got the storm. Oh, <laughs> no. It was a nightmare, a uh. nightmare. So after three phones of, you know, taking it back and having to wait for it to come in and it was just being phoneless for weeks and um, 
so finally, and I mean, I, not phoneless i had the phone but it kept crashing that was the big thing with it was that it kept crashing and, yeah they had uh, tons of problems with the storm and it would lay oh it was just awful yeah so um on the third phone the iphone came out to tell us yeah and so i thought you know what just give me an iphone it's the closest thing you have to a touch screen because i can't go back to buttons <laughs> yeah and uh oh my god it was just unbelievable it was it reminded me of like you know you you think you have something so great and grand and i really did with with the blackberry the iphone it was like it did all the thinking for me everything was already thought about all i had to do was push one little button it was amazing i I just couldn't believe it so like i could never go back to blackberry now never well, but, then you pretty much also have a full-feature web browser on there with the exception of being able to run any Flash, which you, but you really know, don't is, want to do on the phone anyway. No, because exactly. I'd, I'd like for it to pop up now. But I'm noticing that, honestly, I very rarely, and I mean rarely, and, and I don't even know if I've even come up against it in the last few months, um, it's rare that I can't open something up because so many people are moving over to the HTML5. Yeah, just uh, CSS and JavaScript for yeah. pretty much everything because it's uh, you know, it's low on CPU power, loads quick, that kind of thing. Unlike Flash, which is yeah, exactly. I don't even want Flash on my iPhone. I'm glad it doesn't run on my iPhone because it would just, it wouldn't even be worth it. It you know it takes so long to even load, and you're right, and your battery just gets drained by the second. <laughs> so, but. Um, well, I know Android has tons of issues with uh, running Flash on the phones. It doesn't matter if it's Nexus One, the Droid X, which is the new latest greatest. Uh, well, iPhone would have issues too. It's I, I mean, in Android's defense, I don't think it's Android's fault. <laughs> no, it's Flash. It, it. I mean, you would have to have, you would have to have an Adobe phone <laughs> to run it, and it would just be the biggest, clunkiest, slowest thing ever. You know, like, it's just Flash. It's awful. Yeah. Adobe uh, needs to go back to their, uh, back to basics when it comes to Flash. I mean, Flash was generally a vector animation program and has become this big, bloated monster of a thing. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. But, I mean, uh, getting back to our original topic there, if, uh, basically gutting uh android and making it something that you know is the major competitor to the iphone you know challenging apple and actually improving products Mm -hmm. i mean apple once again have like a you know three-year lead because i really don't think Mm -hmm. uh windows uh Phone seven's going to go anywhere. Uh, Paul Thorat, uh, no. from Windows Weekly, he says, "Oh, it's going to be the greatest thing since <laughs> the iPhone came out." Sure, but I really don't see that happening. No. Well, and see, here's there's the 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 other side of the coin to proprietorship. It's not always bad in this regard because Apple has an exceptional phone because Apple makes. Every last little piece 
and designs and engineers every last little piece that goes into their products. So they're not at the mercy of Adobe. They're not at the mercy of Microsoft. They're not at the mercy of anybody. They make this product themselves and say, you don't like it, don't buy it. Like, we're making it so that it works. And one thing you can say about Apple, their products actually work. Yeah, it's just when you start getting into things like the third-party applications for it. I don't know if you heard about... uh there's a uh, photo program. But it, yeah, I have heard about it, but it goes right back to the basics of what they stand on in that if you want to run your app on our phone, you have to play by our rules. If you don't want to, don't don't go over to Android because Android is the one who is having the issues. And so will any other phone that is always going to be at the mercy of other applications and other people's wants and wishes and you know what I mean? Like they are putting their foot down about it, but I understand why. Because if they let everybody in with whatever they want to use for their apps, and then their phone goes to shit because their apps aren't running. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that reflects on the phone, not on the app. People don't say, oh, that's a crappy app. They say, this is a crappy phone. It doesn't work. This app doesn't work on this phone. Half the apps don't work. And that reflects on the phone. Yeah. Unfortunately, people get that way. That, uh, that's that's just your typical user doesn't know enough about what goes on behind the back door. They don't understand tech technically. They just don't get it. They pick up a phone and they expect it to work. And if it doesn't work, they bitch about the phone, right? Yeah. I so. mean, that's why I've been wanting to get a hold of a Nexus One. And I've been seriously considering getting an HTC Desire, which is essentially the next version of the Nexus One. Uh I don't think this uh, Oracle Google suit is really going to do anything to Android within the next few years. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. Yeah, because that's how lawsuits work, right? Like, it takes a few years for it to get well, settled. I'm, is that what you mean? Well, Google's got really deep pockets. So, I mean, yeah. they could keep it tied up with appeals and everything for probably years. I mean, there's like the whole copyright issues with the books. But will that stop production of the Android for a few years? No. It oh. won't. Not so until it gets settled. <laughs> then a few years from now, will it even matter? Like, um, It will eventually matter one way or the other. But by the time it's, it's all figured out, it may not matter because something else might be, you know, they probably will have a workaround for it. Right, exactly. Like, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. They'll just... Either that or they'll have to pay Oracle a lump sum or some sort of licensing fee, something like that. Yeah, which they might end up doing just to keep the phone on the hot spot because it is pretty hot right now. Lots of people are talking about it. Well, I mean, the I mean, here's where we start talking about because with Android, you can do what you want with the phone. And I guess it's more of a geek phone because you can like i want the google phone because it's got the chrome browser and i can pretty much if i want to write an app for it i can write what i want if i screw it up that's it i screw it up yeah right unlike with the iphone where if i want to write an app i have to pay apple a hundred dollars to even get my app previewed on the phone right then it has to be approved by apple and it has to go right. You got all this major headache stuff to go through as a developer. Yeah, from a developer's point of view, I, I, yeah. 
from a user point of view, yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's from a user no point offense, of view, then, I'm it's glad. brain dead stupid, right? <laughs> from the user's point of view, I'm glad it is the way it is because that as a user of the iPhone, that's one thing I know when I download an app and I give my dollar or two ninety nine or whatever the app may cost, I know the thing is going to work. And I know it's going to open and close. And I know it's going to work in the multitasking. And I know it's going to do what it should do because it went through those hands of approval. Yeah. And Android needs to, I mean, Google has got to figure out some way to get the Android market to get to some sort of similar uh, thing. But, um, you know. Well, that's where their challenge is going to be because they don't have those proprietorship rules. And they're they so don't. big on not having them because of Apple. It's I would I would be really shocked if they well, if they did. With the yeah, Android yeah. marketplace, I'm sure there will be some sort of standard eventually set because that only makes sense because you don't yeah, want you know people developing malware and stuff for the phones, right? Well, Which friend, has already happened. Yeah, we it, exactly, and why? And you know why? Because well, what's their operating system? <laughs> well, it's uh, Linux based, but yeah, so it's open. Yeah, it's an open, but open. Um, for the most part, with it being open, um, typically the community fixes the problems before they're even out. But um, not always, because I have a friend who went from Android to iPhone. Yeah, and. Um, she was just practically doing cartwheels. Like she was at the brink of frustration. She is a typical user. So when she got the Android, she expected that thing to work all the time, every time, consistently. And it didn't. In fact, it rarely worked consistently. It crashed. The apps wouldn't open. Or if they did open, it would like be like you'd wait and you'd wait because it, you know how it opens in pieces and parts? Yeah. So and and then same with closing or sometimes it would just crash on her like it was so incredibly frustrating for her. Um, Do you know what phone not, she has? I it was an Android. That's all I know. Oh, but it would have been the most recent one because she just got her iPhone. Well, when I say most recent, I don't really know because I don't follow the Android. But she got her phone about four or five four or five months ago. So okay. whatever that was at that time for Android. Um, and it was fairly new. Like she only had it about six months. She couldn't stand it. So, but she's the average user. Yeah. Who, right. And so then when she got her iPhone and things just open and close and work and it's just so smooth. Um, she, she would like, she would never leave the iPhone now. And so users are, are unforgiving. Like a lot of people just, when they find something that actually works, that's it. They won't. And that's why so many people who follow Apple are the way they are. Because it works all the time. So why mess with what's not broken, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't blame her because the earlier renditions of Android, which she probably had, which, I mean, anything under version 2 was absolutely it, horrible. <laughs> well, it would have been, it, like, it wouldn't be a year old now because it was... Oh, no. You know, uh, even, like... So was that about the same uh, version 2? It was probably under version two because up here in Canada, we're kind of, you know. No, she's in the States. Oh, she's in the States? Yeah. She's, depending on what phone she got, she still might have an earlier version of Android. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I know uh, I contract for two guys out of the States. Um, one of them is running Android 2.2 now, but the other guy's stuck on 1.6. And yeah. that's because of the carrier uh, modifications to it. Okay. But I do have a friend here in Canada who got a uh, Samsung uh, Galaxy S, and he'll swear by it. Absolutely I've heard some good it. things about that one, but I don't know. But are they open or proprietorship? Uh, it's pretty much locked down, but you can unlock it, and it is legal to unlock it. Yeah, you can unlock the phone, iPhone too. Yeah, you can now with the proposed legislation that's coming out. Yeah, but well, I no, mean, you yeah you can now because actually, um, Apple uh, still was selling actually unlocked ones. Well, unlocked from the carrier, but not unlocked yeah. from the application standpoint. Oh, you know, I asked um, an Apple rep about that when I was buying mine. Um, I really didn't plan on honestly think, unlocking. Yeah, it, for me, I wasn't willing to mess with my warranty. That was the big thing for me. So I called Apple and asked them, like, what are the implications if you... Jailbreaking it. If, yeah, if you jailbreak it. And he said, well, it's not that your warranty would be void, but we may not be able to help you because the minute you jailbreak your phone, you open it up to all kinds of things, viruses, whatever. And we can't, and we won't be able to know if it was the phone or if it was something that you brought into your phone by, by jailbreaking it. Yeah. So I thought I don't actually need a pretty little theme that bad. (laughs) So I wasn't, I was not prepared to muck with my warranty for that reason. Yeah, I mean, that's always the thing that um, Apple can always throw if you did jailbreak your phone. Well, and it's a legitimate response. I mean, how would they know? Well, I mean, if you just did a restore, they wouldn't know. But if you went there after you jailbroke it, yeah, then yeah, they would know. And they'd probably say your warranty was void. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't say they would void the warranty. He said that they wouldn't necessarily be able to help. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, for the most part, like so, if you're you essentially were, voiding it. But yeah, they don't come right out and say it would void it. Yeah, they wouldn't say that straight out. But if you had done it and yeah. something went horribly wrong, and then you went there to try to get it fixed, they probably would say, uh, "You jailbroke this. Your warranty's void." Yeah. <laughs> But I think I'm really on the fence about the whole pri- proprietorship because of that reason. Because uh, app, you know that I am an Apple girl and I, I stand behind Apple. I really do because I respect the quality of their products. And I know that their quality of their products is such because of their proprietorship. I know that. So as a user, I stand behind it and I respect it. But yeah. then on the same on their hand, when we're talking about Microsoft and stuff, it's different. Well, I mean, when you're talking about software and yeah. the outrageous price yeah. that some software can cost. Yeah. Then you definitely, like, I'm with you all the way because, <laughs> like you say... It's just freaking software. If you can open it up in Google Docs or in Linux or whatever, whatever, like why does every why would you have to pay like that the cost of Adobe is just ridiculous. 
that's probably your best example. Yeah. Well, Office itself is also ridiculous. If you, yeah, it is. Pretty sweet. Uh, if you're looking for the Office suite with like even access, I mean, you're looking at seven hundred dollars. And you know what? The access thing, nobody ever uses it. I use it, but I think I'm one in 20 people amongst my peers who use it. Well, a lot of people do use it because you can generate um, very basic applications that are very Excel-like, yeah. right? And they it works very well with Excel, and that's why access works the way it does. Yeah. So and so far they haven't come out with an open source for databasing or have they? Oh yeah, Open Office has one. Oh really? Yeah. So I mean, it pretty much has everything Microsoft Office has except for an email client, and I always recommend Mozilla Thunderbird for an email client. Hmm. Uh, See there again, I'm hooped because I manage five different calendars, and. All but one person is remote, remote. So not that it matters. I mean, even the person, my, my direct supervisor um, is in the office. Um, it doesn't really matter that he's right there. I mean, and everybody uses Outlook. <laughs> yeah. So I need, I need, like everybody has to be on the same calendar in order for me to manage their calendars. So would I be able to use Mendoza? What is it? Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Would that be compatible with, like, could I still manage five other people's Outlook calendar with it? Um, I don't know uh, how it would integrate with Exchange Server. I, I know I manage mine and my wife's through the calendar feature in Thunderbird, which is fabulous. It syncs with Google Calendar. Fantastic. Is she on it too, though? Like, oh yeah, we can both. Oh, okay. So, like, I'm just saying, like, with the five people who I manage, they would probably have to use Thunderbird too. No, they should be able to use. Um, they should be able to use uh, Outlook. It's just a matter of how the server set up to sync. Okay. Like um, Google Calendar, I can uh, set it up with Thunderbird so it syncs back and forth. iCal. On the other hand, I don't know the latest version can, but I know no. it can bring down uh, anything from Google Calendar. Yeah, iCal works really well with Gmail. Or I should say Mac works really well with Gmail. Um, anything Gmail related seems to work famously with Mac products. So um, the only thing you'd have to know is if the server will actually accept Thunderbird for editing the calendar. I mean, other than that, it but should I don't be fine. Use, I don't use iCal, though. I use all Outlook. Oh, no, because it's just uh, it's just I mean, a standard use... for syncing the calendars. That's all it is. Okay. It's whether or not, uh, well, one thing, your IT people will actually take the time to support it. Yeah, um but for yeah. the most part, I anything open source typically if they're Microsoft trained IT support personnel, they just say no, it won't work when it actually will. <laughs> yeah, true. Which is unfortunate. Mhm. Well, yeah, it is unfortunate because it goes right back to the proprietorship overall. 
um, when people aren't willing to try something new? Well, even if they won't uh, read about it, I mean, a lot of companies, if they switched to open source software, would save tons of money and would still do the exact same thing that they need. Is Google open source? To a point. They're open source when it's convenient for them, such as Android. Okay. How about that? Kind of like the way Apple's open source to the point where it's convenient for them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. In their way, it's just as long as it won't compromise their operating system, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, um, Apple's operating system, Mac OS X, and iPhone, uh, the iOS, is based off Unix, which is essentially an open source operating system. Right. It's just Apple took it, locked it down, called it their own, and shipped it out. Right. Right, it's their version of Unix. Right. So, I mean, it's great, secure operating system. Mm-hmm. It works fantastic. And but... that's okay. I mean, hey, for sure, lock it down. It's an operating system. Yeah, I mean, th- but that's the problem, right? I mean, it is proprietary again. Yeah. So... So what do you suggest? How do, what, should, what do you suggest should be done? Well, I think everyone should buy my computers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good idea. <laughs> and, you know, so like for me, for example, I've got my Mac and I'm wrestling with parallels every day. So are you, would you be able to fix somebody's Mac up so that they could have an open source, something that's like you? you well, for that- someone like you, like... I need to look at it on an individual basis. Like the systems I'm setting up are for people that just need very basic functions, right? right. They don't want to have to deal with Windows. They don't want to have to buy a new computer every 18 months, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. But you could look at other individual Yeah, I mean, I set them up too. I've set up gaming machines with Windows and I've uh fixed Macs up and you know, restored all sorts of things, come up with tons of other solutions. I got, I know uh, I've set up several accounting people on IMAX with uh, VirtualBox, you know, running Windows so they can run their PC accounting software because that's all they want. They want to be able to make backups easy. So I just have a little Apple script that runs and makes a copy of their little VirtualBox. Right. So, well, I might have to think about that for my computer. <laughs> I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Then, if something happens, I mean, you depending on how often you want to backed up, you lose a week, a month, or a day's worth of work, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Depending on how frequently you want it backed up. Well, I use Time Machine, so I back up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Time Machine to an external hard drive, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, since you have Parallels, I mean, it's already backed up. You just restore your Parallels from the last Time Machine backup. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Time Machine makes it pretty easy. Yeah. And like on Windows, there's no easy backup solution. 
No, I mean, that's unfortunate, really. Well, I mean, you have the system restore, but I mean, if you do that, oh, lose... it's such a yeah, it's such a rigmarole time machine. I can go in and I can say, I want to look at an hour ago, or I want to look at three weeks ago. I mean, it gives the dates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, I know several really good open source. Uh, well, not open source, but. Um, Pretty much uh, freeware donationware programs that you know if I use them, you know I donate like five, ten bucks to their little software program, and you know they keep on updating it, whatever, and then uh, you know I just keep using it, and setting it up for people to do their backups and that kind of thing, have yeah. it all automated because people don't want to think about that kind of stuff. No. No, and you don't. You know, you get caught up in your day and you just don't think about it. Until, like, your hard drive dies and you're going, I have, like, all my pictures here from the last 10 years. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I I love Time Machine. I honestly, oh, my God. There's so many reasons why I would never leave Mac. And that's, like, on the top 10 list for sure. (laughs) Yeah, if Microsoft had something like time machine that would go a long way but the way their system restore works i mean if the last restore you did was a month ago i mean you've lost a month's worth of stuff i mean with at least with mm-hmm. time machine you can go back and just get one file you can yeah you can just it's unbelievable instead of losing everything up until that point mm-hmm. and you don't even know it's working and like it doesn't slow your machine down either well, it does when you first start it. Oh, it for sure. The first it. time. Yeah, definitely. But then, you know, on a regular basis, just, I mean, it does it every hour. And I don't, honestly, I just, I even forget that it's doing its thing because it doesn't slow me down. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of good things proprietary software does do. But I'm more, I mean, way open source is coming up. Uh, well, I, I think you're right. It's the software, and the at the end of the day, it's like with so many other options out there, why would you spend the money? Well, I mean, like I'm getting really big on using uh, Ubuntu and that kind of thing, and it's good enough now. I think it can be widely adopted by majority of the population mm-hmm. and i mean they'll be safe and secure and they won't have any problems with their computer anymore it'll be all good i have a question though can you create a document in ubuntu or is it only about opening and editing and returning can you no. actually create yeah. one because yeah. i noticed in google docs i didn't notice a, an option to actually create a document only to open them yeah, you can create a document. You can also do that in uh, Google Docs. Okay. Uh, in I'll Google... have to go back. Check that out again. Well, in Google Docs, it should be in... I'm just logging in here. Did I go to the right place? I went to Gmail and then went to Documents. Yeah, that's a way to get there. But okay. there's also a... Uh, Google Docs. It's just called Docs. If you go to your Google account. Okay. Yeah. There's a create new and then you have a document, presentation, spreadsheet, form, 
or drawing folder, and they also have a variety of templates. Hmm. It's just loading now. So up at the top, there's Gmail, Calendar, Documents, Web Reader, More. Yeah, Is that you, you want to be in uh, Documents. Okay, that's what I did. And then where is it create? Oh, it's right there. How did I miss that before? Oh, and it has spreadsheet as well. Yeah, and also a PowerPoint type thing, which they call a presentation, which is what it's also called in open office. Okay. So, and all the formulas and everything work very similar. So, hmm. and you can also share documents and that kind of thing. It's very slick. This is interesting. This, um, I mean, is Ubuntu, is it just similar to this? OpenOffice is similar to this. Uh, Google is coming out with Chrome OS, which is basically a web browser for a uh, operating system. Hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of different Linuxes out there. I mean, Android's probably the biggest implementation of Linux out there. Hmm. So, I mean, Linux has come a long way. So, how would someone open... The, if I created this document in open source, basically, which is Google Docs, mm -hmm. and wanted to send it to someone, how would they open it? Well, you could download as, right? If you make a new document. So, they would have to download something. Yes, they would have to download something unless they had a Google Docs account, in which case you can share the file with that person. Oh, see, and who doesn't, right? <laughs> really, yeah, but uh, there's a lot of things going on with um, Google right now that, uh, at least in the United States, they made a deal with Verizon that a lot of people are kind of going, uh, we thought you were good guys, but... Uh, yeah, they kind of broke their don't be evil thing. Oh, really? That's their mantra. I know. It made me sad. Very sad. Because <laughs> I'm a huge Google advocate. I love all their products and everything. I use them all the time. Yeah, I, I have actually always been a fan, too. And I've always really loved them, I think, most of all because of their mantra. So, but, uh, yeah, they made a deal with Verizon that essentially creates two internets. They have net neutrality for all land-based, um, you know, wired internet. But anything on your phone and everything, mm -hmm. completely up to the carriers. But this is in the United States. Oh. And if it's in the States, you can bet money that it's going to happen here. Well, it may happen here, but that's too bad. It might be a shot in the foot because um, privacy is going to be a big, like big corporations won't get in on it because of the privacy issues that will definitely trail behind that. Well, they'll, because uh, the whole thing about it is uh, they're going to be charging you per, like for everything if you're oh, on their system. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, like, for Who's example... Who's going to use that, though? Who's going to do that when... Well, like, if... Here, you have an iPhone 4. Yeah. If you need directions to somewhere... Right? I mean, you... But if I had to pay for it, I wouldn't use it. No? No. 
No, for sure. No, I have a GPS. I would just use my GPS. Because like the Skype app, um, you know, it. Um, well, they were going to charge, but now they're not. Yeah. Because they were going to have it go through the 3G so the carriers could charge for it. Mm-hmm. But they've, they've ixnayed on that. For now. For now. And, the re- and I mean, they say it right there on their site that the reason being there's just so many free um, uh, platforms out there that they're not going to charge now. Because yeah. I think they saw what would happen. People would just stop using Skype. Well, Skype on the iPhone anyway. Yeah, exactly. And with <laughs> with um, millions and millions and millions of people using the iPhone, that would be bad for them. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll have to keep the uh, open source and proprietary thing uh, going. We'll see what happens in the future with it. Yeah, I'd be interested to find out what happens once Microsoft goes to um, goes to Windows 8. Well, not just Windows 8, but even uh, with their Windows uh, Phone 7. That'll be an interesting uh, thing to have a look at as well. So see how much space there is in the cell phone uh, realm for uh, proprietary... Uh, mobile operating systems yeah (laughs) so well vani thanks for joining me for this podcast here well thank you for having me i i was more of a student than a contributor but (laughs) oh no it was fun you've uh because i completely forgot about pages being uh well i mostly use open office and i mean it's so close to uh what microsoft office is yeah uh I forgot that there is uh, that little Apple group <laughs> out there that does use pages and numbers and that kind of thing. So Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I mean, if you need an Office program, I generally tell people, get open Office. And if you don't like it, then buy either your iWork or Microsoft Office. Because mm-hmm. for $160, it's kind of steep. Mm-hmm. It really is, yeah. So, can you send me the link for OpenOffice? Yeah, I will send you the Mac version, which is NeoOffice. Oh, and okay, I'll, you sent me the link for that. Okay. And I'll also put uh, in the show notes there all the links to the free open source software, uh, such as GIMP, which would be basically a free version of Photoshop, Inkscape. Free version of Illustrator, Scribus, the free version of, uh, I guess that would be closest to InDesign and Quark. OpenOffice, of course, for you Windows users, NeoOffice for Mac users, and also along with some other uh, video editing tools. So, Oh, excellent. Yes. Well, I'll be sure to check out those links. <laughs> oh, and uh, virtual machines, such as uh, Oracle's uh, VirtualBox. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, really good open source software out there. And well, I think it's time for people to get aware of it and to. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to play with it. I'm going to try some of those links there. I'm going to play with it and see. So see how it works. All right. Well, that's it for this podcast. And we'll be uh, following this up again in a few weeks. 
uh, when we get a few more. Uh, I got a Microsoft uh, certified uh, network guy that I want to get on uh, the podcast that couldn't make it today. Let's hope he doesn't play StarCraft. <laughs> That's it. It's that damn StarCraft 2. It gets in the way of getting stuff done. <laughs> oh, my son is a gamer. It's, yeah. it's, it is addictive. He's got StarCraft 2 as well? No, no. Actually, he. I am proud to say that he got himself off of the wor- world of Warcraft. Holy, was that an addictive game. Um, he's, he's back to Xbox now and I'm happy about that. Uh, well, <laughs> if you're looking for a birthday or Christmas present for him, get him Starcraft too. Then he'll God, be no. addicted. Is it a, is it a computer game or is it a Xbox game? Um, it's a computer game, but it's for the Mac. So he'll be oh. on your Mac a whole lot. <laughs> no, no more computer games. <laughs> We're done with that route. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Thanks for joining me, Vani. Thank you. Catch you on Twitter. Okay, you bet. Okay, bye. Bye.